0: by Millie Package. Well, we now welcome on Mr. Neil Hondo Williamson. He is the host of the Napa Bulldog Tailgate Show. He's a part of the Halftime and Postgame Shows and is the spotter for Scott Howard for Georgia Radio broadcasts. Uh, Hondo has been covering UGA Athletics since 1977 and is in his 28th season covering Georgia football. Honda, welcome on to Division Two.
1: Hey, thanks so much. It's great to be on with you guys.
0: Well, we cannot wait to hear your insight, but let's start with some of the tougher news out of Georgia spring football. The Dogs lost a key contributor on offense as George Pickens went down with a torn ACL. So how do you see JT Daniels responding with the loss of his top returning pass catcher? And will, who will have to step up in his absence? Well, that, that's a
1: great question. There is that Ford. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, we're on phone. You know, I can't see you guys. Um. Yeah, <laughs> Ford. That's a great question. Uh, JT will be JT will be fine. You know, of course, we saw in the three or four games that he played four games I last year that George right away uh, was his favorite target, and JT loved throwing the ball deep and throwing up for grabs. And when you have a guy the size and uh, wingspan and skill of George Pickens, George was able to go up and make a lot of great plays on the balls. But JT Daniels, he's uh, he's veteran enough to realize that you can't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, you know, you hear it all, uh, the expression all the time in football uh, to um, next man up. The next man's got to step up, and and players know that. They understand injuries are part of the game. For Georgia, we're going to have, um, I don't want to say receivers by committee. Yeah, I mean, it was going to be receivers by committee anyway. Uh, what I uh, – you know, losing George, we're going to lose his ability for sure. What we're, we're really going to lose with him as well is the fact that he can attract so many double teams. And when teams have to double him, that suddenly leaves guys like Jermaine Burton, Kiaris Jackson, uh, Marcus Rosemead, Jack St., Harry and Smith, Dominic Glaylock. Hopefully uh, he'll be able to uh, come back strong. Demetrius Robertson will leave those guys. A little more room to get open themselves and get into one-on-one coverage so I would say that those six receivers right there are probably uh the ones that I just named are probably the ones that will have to step up the most and 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 that's just in the receiving core as you know uh coach Monk Monken, uh loves to um spread the ball out we saw a lot of Darnell Washington Darnold Washington in the last um couple of games last year for the georgia uh, uh for the bulldogs at tight end and um uh he ought to be uh, darnell washington i don't know why i call him Darnold. i think it's sam Darnold. all of a sudden <laughs> darnell washington ought to be a, a big presence in the receiving game john fitzpatrick another fine tight end we have we've got a, a nice young kid brock bowers coming in rylan godey is uh there and then the running backs you know, throw to the backs and get a game, guy like James Cook out into space and toss the ball to him and see what he can do uh, with that blazing speed of his. So long long answered, but an important question that you asked because it's one of the most important questions the Bulldogs need to answer this year.
2: Tondo, this is Chris here. So let's talk a little hey, bit, a little bit of, uh, more about JT. So I think the majority of Georgia fans would agree that JT has carried himself in, in all the right ways heading into the 2021 season. In his second year in Todd Monken's offense, do you expect to see more of an air raid offense or a little bit more ground and pound with Zeus, Milton, and James Cook?
1: I think you're going to see balance. And, you know, the way Coach Smart always describes balance is it doesn't mean 50-50. You know, Balance doesn't have to mean 50-50. But I think you're going to see us, um, uh, you know, it's so cliche to say take what the defense gives you. But let me tell you guys something. I sit in the booth with the first guy to ever pass for 10,000 yards in the SEC. His records have stood for years and years in the SEC. Um, Eric is who I'm talking about, you know, Peyton Manning broke his record when uh, Peyton came along. That's the type of quarterback we're talking about. Eric Zier played for Bill Belichick and Tony Dungy. And I sit right next to him. He's one of my best friends. We talk football all the time. And, and he'll just, and he'll point stuff out to me all the time about look you know here's what they're doing defensively and that's why we're just going to keep running the ball because if they're going to put those guys back like that in a cover three or in a cover two or whatever they're doing here then we're just going to gash them until they come up and stop the run and people sit there and go well how come you didn't pass how come you didn't pass because because the defense challenged you to beat them with the run we saw that in J.T.'s second game last year. Was that South Carolina? I'm trying to remember which one it was. Where, uh, I believe you know, so, passed, yes. You know, he passed 400-and-something yards in his first outing and then only had like 11 or 15 passes in his second outing. And People are saying, oh, Kirby pulled back the reins. I'm sitting there with desire the whole time. He's going, he like, didn't pull back any reins. That's what the defense gave us.
3: Hondo, uh, comparative to some other teams around the around the college football landscape right now, the dogs failed to use the t- or utilize the tight end position to their potential since the departure of Arthur Lynch and potentially Isaac Nada. However, Georgia's offense has a young and sizable target in Darnell Washington, who you mentioned earlier. How important will he be this season in Todd Munkin's offense?
1: Well, he's gonna be important. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of two tight end packages as we saw last year. Uh, you know as you see Bill Belichick loves to use when he has big rangy tight ends Belichick for instance um he he loves the mismatches that those that those provide and and John Fitzpatrick has has proved himself to be an able tight end and and Darnell Washington you know the big O there he is uh he's a, a a specimen at six foot seven six foot eight whatever he is 250 or 60 pounds that can move the way that he does um yeah I expect to see the tight end but again uh yeah, yeah compared to other teams in the sec that's a correct assumption that our use of the tight end um has dropped some in the past call it you know some people date it back to um um golly the guy who played for cincinnati um orson charles
3: oh yeah sorry yeah, yeah. tampa guy I get
1: old, you forget some people date it back to them but but I have some statistics that I've put together over the past few years showing that our drop-off in the tight end play really isn't that much under Smart. People complained about it under Mark Wicht as well.
3: Let's talk a little bit about the trenches. Uh, Georgia has obviously prided themselves on being deep within the trenches, especially during this Kirby Smart era. The team lost a majority of the O-line talent, though, recently, so I want to ask, where do you see this team kind of relating offensive line-wise in comparison to years past, uh, dating back to when Sam Pittman was still coaching the offensive line?
1: Well, it's it's hard to compare um, offensive lines, especially if you're not concentrating on the offensive line. And when I'm spotting during the game, I sit right in between Eric Zier and Scott Howard our play-by-play team, and I have the Georgia spotting board in front of me. So the folks who are listening at home, that means that I basically have the Georgia depth chart in front of me with, you know, here are the first four quarterbacks, here are the five running backs, here are the receivers, here are the different linemen, so that I can point to whoever is making a play or making an auxiliary play to the key play where the ball is overall. So a, a lineman who pulled maybe and, perhaps Scott or Eric didn't see a guard pull, and I did and saw him make the key block. I can point that out. So, you know, Scott can say they give us to zero white. He goes off right tackle and six, seven, eight yards break. It tackles all the way. Oh, I see that. Um, you know, Jamari Sawyer pulled on that play and uh, provided a key block, right? Things like that. So unless you're really watching the line every day, and unless you really understand that well, um, I don't think I'm qualified to tell you how this offensive line stacks up compared to other offensive lines. I'll tell you this much. Whoever made the assertion that um, uh, it's it, we've been really great under Coach Smart is right, that's the first thing that I think one of the first and biggest things that Coach Smart did when he came in, that was say we're going a completely different route with our recruiting. We're going to just stock up on linemen and then more linemen, and then more linemen because they get hurt or they can't play. Uh, you know, guys get in and they're not as good as you thought they'd be, and he's just done a really a sensational job with that.
0: Honda, let's move over to the other side of the ball. So the Dogs' defense did lose some talent to the NFL this year, but we'll, re- we'll be returning a stout group of guys, uh, including Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis, who will be the anchors up front. How big of a factor will Jordan Davis be as a leader and a run-stopper this year? Oh, God, he's, he's the linchpin. That's
1: your answer right there. This guy this guy's uh, otherworldly. This guy is so big and so active and loves it. You know, just a second ago I was talking about offensive linemen and sometimes they can't play and. You know, there, there are lots of guys who are so big in high school and so dominating at lots of positions where you really see a lot is in the offensive line. They're so dominating. And then they get to college and find out that there are other guys as big as them who smack back. And you get guys who they, they, they don't want to get smacked back. It was, it was fun when I was going against somebody Neil Williamson's size when I'm 6'5" know, a three hundred. but also when I'm going against somebody my own size, it's not much, as much fun. Well, Jordan Davis is one of those guys on the defensive side of the ball who, who relishes the role of taking up two blockers, and if he can, he wants a third because he knows when he does that, it frees up his teammates to go in and make plays.
2: So sticking on the defensive side but moving to the secondary, this unit lost guys like Richard LeCount, Eric Stokes, and Tyson Campbell McCurdy uh, oh, yeah. was able to uh, pluck off West Virginia cornerback Tyke Smith out of the transfer portal. How much of a bu- uh, bolster do you think he will bring to this group?
1: Well, yeah, I've never seen the guy play, I'll tell you the truth. You know, our Saturdays were uh, – it's funny. Our Saturdays our broadcasts are ten and a half hours long, so we can include pre-production and travel and everything else. Now, those are 16-, 17-hour days for us home or away – and uh, you know we can catch a glimpse of this or that game before our own, but even or you know even before our own, I'm I'm usually working on our broadcast and, and making sure that all of our preparation is is there. So seeing a guy at West Virginia, it's not like somebody you might see at Ohio State. We make an extra um special uh, 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 time for to watch when you get off the air, you know, uh, on off days, or certainly people in the conference. So I don't know about Tyke Smith. I know he was a third-team All-American as a sophomore. I know he's been a two-time uh, All-Conference selection uh, up there. So he's got the talent, and we certainly, certainly have a dearth of experienced players in our secondary now. You mentioned that Stokes, Campbell, and, and Richie LeCount are gone, but DJ Daniels gone, Tyreek Stevenson, Mark Webb. You're looking at six guys who took. Holy cow, I don't, I, you know, I don't know what percentage of the snaps last year, but, you know, uh, Lewis Sean is the only guy coming back who got a huge number of snaps in comparison to the, the six of them. And we have Christopher Smith. I guess he got a lot of snaps once Richie LeCount went down. Uh, Christopher Smith didn't. He's going to come back at safety, which is good. But having Tyke Smith come in and, you know, being able to play safety, I've heard he could also maybe play in that star position, which is the, the fifth defensive back position. But the, the fact that he can play safety or star suddenly gives you the flexibility. If either Chris Smith or, or uh, uh, Louis Cien can move to cornerback, now you can put Tyke Smith into the safety position. I don't expect to see Senior or Smith move to corner, but I know that Scene is practiced there here in the spring. Um, And uh, and you know that star position. If you've followed Georgia closely under Coach Smart and the way we we run that defense, uh, we'll stick a rangy linebacker in that position, uh, which we've done in the past uh, with some some really really athletic players. And they've even talked about sticking Adam Adam Anderson back there rather to um, in in different situations. We like moving guys around into what what we as fans would call the star position. But on defense, they're looking around going, hang on, that's too many linebackers. Who's covering the running back out of the backfield so that they don't know who's coming at them at the quarterback? Who's dropping into coverage? Who's covering what players? When you have the kind of flexibility that some of our players like that, like an Adam Anderson, I'll provide for you. Well, it, it creates all kinds of problems for the defense, as you know.
3: Hondo, Kirby Smart has not shied away from bringing in former head coaches, as you know. He brought in <laughs> former Ole Miss coach Matt Luke to replace Sam Pittman. And this year, uh, Will Muschamp is joining his staff, a former friend of Kirby's as well. So talk about uh, talk us through his reasoning for this and what kind of insight can, uh, can Coach Muschamp bring to Kirby and Dan Lanning?
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, first of all, you have to have enough confidence in yourself to bring in somebody who could in theory be uh, your replacement, right? Because, uh, you know, uh, uh, you look at the, you look at the Hawks uh, the last couple of years, the last couple of coaching changes that they've had, you know, when they fired a guy, they've promoted the assistant, right? So uh, we see that, we see that in a lot of different sports and a lot of different places. So you got to have confidence in yourself. You also, um, have to have the, the the wherewithal and the confidence to know that you bring those guys in and they are going to challenge you to a degree they know who the head coach is and they know how they should act toward the head coach but they are also going to challenge you especially behind closed doors and i think that's really um part of why coach smart likes to do that he wants to bring in people who are going to say hey kirby can we look at this another way okay you mind if i take that and do this instead, because here's something that we saw when we saw a similar situation against XYZ team. And, um, you know, it's, it's just bringing in more smart people who have multiple talents, to get to the head coaching level, especially in our conference, you have to be able to recruit like a madman. So, and you know, with Coach Luke, he obviously brings that to the table. And that was a huge hole. You mentioned Sam Pittman. That was a huge hole to have to fill um, in our recruiting staff. Pardon me, Coach Luke has done a fantastic job of that. Now, Musk, uh, Coach Muschamp, he will not be recruiting, um, if I'm not mistaken, because, you know, you can only have so many of the – full-time coaches as quote recruiters but he's certainly going to be able to lend his uh his smarts and his expertise he's a terrific defensive coordinator to to coach lanny uh to coach smart to that staff uh not to mention just uh um uh, being able to run a program and knowing all of the different things that you have to know the fact that he and coach smart have been friends for so many years you know he was he was eric zires roommate in college will was really so I mean, you, talk about, you take, talk about best friends. Those guys are great friends. <laughs> so it's going to be real interesting to see, um, and, you know, Coach Bobo and Coach Smart were best friends. So when, uh, when they were together for a short while, maybe they weren't together for a while. I think Mike left right before, uh, yeah, Mike left mm-hmm. before Kirby came in. But, you know, the, these guys, they all run in the same circles, and it's, and it's fun for them to be back together, I'm sure.
3: Hondo, you mentioned the recruits just a minute ago, and Georgia got another impressive class this year. So I want to ask you: Give me a name of a player that some SEC fans and dog fans specifically should keep on their radar in 2021.
1: Oh gosh, I don't, I don't know. You, you know what the funniest thing to me is is, um, uh, the the guys who get pumped up a whole lot get pumped up a whole lot and then they get to college and they find out what i was saying earlier that they're not the biggest guy on the field anymore they're not necessarily the fastest guy they they may have gone from the fastest guy in their in their um, uh, what do they called in high school not divisions but uh classification they might guy from the gone from the fastest guy in the classification but they're not even the fastest guy you know on the field when they get to college uh, or certainly not the biggest guy or uh, the most talented guy. And, you know, one of the things that happens is a lot of kids come in and out mid-August, end of August, they're walking, you know, they're sure they're going to start and, and, you know, be the next Deion Sanders or whatever it is, uh, whatever, whoever a superstar is. And, and all of a sudden they come into the coach's office that third week of August and they're like, Coach, you know, I'm thinking that maybe a red shirt year wouldn't be bad. <laughs> And that really happens more than you would know. Now, these days, you don't know, have to redshirt guys the way you did back in the old days where you know, they could only get into two games and then they had to redshirt. So now you have that. It's extended to four games. So you just leave everybody kind of wide open and on the field. But um, it, it, it's too hard. I, I don't know. You know they, they they tell me a couple of those linebackers are supposed to be terrific. Xavier um, uh, Sori, Smail Mondan is supposed to be terrific. Uh, Nylon Green who's a cornerback, who's a is supposed to you know have the have the length and have the speed and have the talent. So those might be three guys I'd look at on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you're probably going to get a better chance on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball. You know We brought him one running back, and and love C. Carroll. He's moved over to the defense for now because we have, uh, again, a, a shortage of experienced players there. And, and we're so stacked running back, uh, quarterback, you're not going to see anybody. Tight end, I mentioned the kid Bowers. Maybe he gets some time. I'm not sure. Uh, there are openings for a couple of receivers now, um, maybe a receiver or two to get into the lineup. So uh, one of those kids. But offensive line, very difficult to break in. I know Marius Mims is a, a top, top recruit, but, and we'll see if he's able to get in there and, and and battle and do the things and have the footwork and and the speed and the wherewithal to protect protect the quarterback in the sec (laughs) it may be one thing to to start in division two as a freshman or whatever they call that now or or one double a or um um, you know at a a non-sec school but in the sec they're they're coming fast and they're coming hard so those would probably be the three guys that i would think um Uh, might have a chance to play green and green and uh, the two linebackers, Sori and and Mondin.
2: So the dogs get the pleasant task of opening up against Clemson this year. (laughs) Hondo, when we're looking at the 2021 schedule on paper, what is your floor and your ceiling for this year's team?
1: Oh, the ceiling is we could win the national championship. I mean, we're built to win. This this team is now – there are no (laughs) – this is Waffle House. There are no back burners. <laughs> okay, everything's a front burner, and this is a team that is poised to uh, contend with anybody else for the national championship. So I have no doubt about that in my mind. Um, you know, you mentioned the Clemson game, and and, and that's going to be a huge one for the Dogs, along with the Florida game. Those are going to be the you know the two huge ones to determine in the SEC championship whether or not we get into the playoff. Ah, uh, Clemson probably not as much as the others. The SEC championship probably going to be the primary game uh, to determine whether or not we get in. Uh, but you know, you win the Clemson game, and that can that can give you added points somewhere else down the line. So uh, the ceiling is there. You know, the floor. I don't, you know, I don't know. You know, you you can always you, in the SEC. You can always lose four games to be a very good team. You can lose four games in the SEC and be a very good team now I don't think that this team is going to but you know you can see where uh you could trip against two teams and then lose the game to Clemson and then lose in a bowl or an SEC championship game I, I can't see us losing four games I know I can't see us getting to the SEC championship with three losses so no I can't see us losing four games so, um, yeah, the worst maybe is three losses, but I don't anticipate that. I think we're going to beat the dog out of a lot of people this year.
2: <laughs> You're absolutely right talking about some of that SEC competition. So, in many people's eyes, the dogs are the favorites come out of the SEC East this year. Uh, who else in the East do you see giving the dogs some competition?
1: Yeah, Florida. Yeah, Florida they, they they've they recruit well they've got good players down there we know they have good players they've they've lost some guys for sure they've lost some huge skill guys in Kyle and Kyle and uh, one of the running backs well, I forget who but they uh, you know they're they're gonna be loaded Tennessee's uh, you know in flux again which is nice for us they've had the transfers and the coaching problems and, and, and coaching changes and, stuff like that. Uh, Kentucky, they, Coach Steve built a nice program up there. I'm not sure that they want, are really ready to regularly compete at our level. Doesn't mean they can't come out and beat us one Saturday. You know, look at what Coach Buschamp at South Carolina did to us a couple of years ago. Goodness gracious. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, um, it's possible on any given Saturday, right? Uh, Missouri's always got a talented team. Um, and... Uh, Coach out there, you know, the guy used to be up at Appalachian, he's done a really good job. I'm trying to think who else is in our division. Vanderbilt, I'm not terribly worried about. <laughs> South Carolina, I think they're in a rebuild. And I, I think we touched on everybody in the division.
0: Right. Uh, Hondo, Coach Smart has been our head coach since 2016. And I'd like to preface this question by saying none of us hold this narrative. But what would you say to those who hold the opinion that Kirby can or will never get over the hump?
1: Oh, they're, sorry, but I, I, for me to even address a question like that means that whoever is saying that is, um, I don't want to call names, just I, I've been covering sports. I've been watching sports like a madman since I was nine years old. And I've been covering sports since 1977 and you know i have spent so much time in so many clubhouses and so many locker rooms spoken to so many coaches so many players over the year years and and the the people who say stuff like that they don't get how hard it is Mm -hmm. i'll never forget it was had to been 1975 i was out with my street hockey ball and my hockey stick and i was in our carport and i was taking shot in Georgia, you know, and taking shots, bang, against the wall and go retrieve the ball, bang, against the ball, and, you know, shooting it a, a little, little goal. And my father came out and said, oh, you're putting a wear, you know, you're wearing out the wall there. And I said, yeah, both the Celtics and Bruins get bounced from the playoffs. I was so mad because they were both really good teams. And they got bounced on the same day. And this 1975. I guess Havlicek was playing. Bobby Orr was still playing. And, uh, And I said, you know, this is just terrible that we're not going to win a championship this year. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) you know, the fact that your teams have won three or four championships in the time that you've been cheering for them, short time you've been on earth as a 17-year-old, you have no idea how remarkable that is, how hard that is to do. And remember, guys, we're talking about back then. This is when there were only 12 teams in the NHL, 12 teams in, in the NBA when my dad was saying this to me. And you know, in in college football, there were probably only thirty teams that had a chance of of winning anything, if that many, as opposed to now. And well, I shouldn't say that, but um, college football is narrowed down again, I think. But uh, uh people people who say that they don't they don't get how hard it is. I mean, they said that about Coach Rick and, and you know. I, you know, one player doesn't drop a pass against Florida in one of those years. We're playing for the national championship. There was no playoff that year. We would have gone to the playoff that year. And, and you know, it, it's just the, the, the funny bounces that a ball can take that can change your fortunes. And in football more than any other sport, one funny bounce can ruin your season. So, um, no, I don't buy into Coach Smart will never get over the hump. My God, he finished. we finished. We've been knocking on the door like crazy. He's also had the terrible misfortune of having to coach straight up against the greatest coach in college, the most successful coach in college football history. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like saying, you know, why, why, couldn't, why couldn't you beat LeBron one-on-one when you could beat everybody else in the league? well, you know, I'm going against the guy who's probably the overall biggest, strongest, most talented player in NDA history. And yes, Michael
0: Jordan fans, I said it and I mean it. Couldn't agree with you more there, Honda. but G-Day is next Saturday the 17th. What particular <laughs> things will you be looking for to answer some questions about this team?
1: Well... Yeah, I'm not gonna get a whole lot out. I'm going to scrimmage this Saturday. So I'm going up Saturday and I'll probably get more out of that than we will out of G Day because you know Coach isn't gonna show anything at uh, at G Day and um and they wanna get, you know, guys a lot of time, guys who are who are walk ons and who play on the scout team. They'll get a lot of time in the game. So I would expect to see a whole lot out there. Um, you know, you're not running a lot of trick plays. You're not running uh, – the defense is going to be very vanilla because you don't want to get anybody hurt. Um, they, we'll, we'll end up with one or two people who will be going, oh, my gosh, look at this guy. He's going to be the greatest. You know, the one who I called three years ago, talking to my best, my best friend um, after the game, and I said, you see that kid, that kid out of Texas, Lewis Seen? I said, man, I liked him a lot. My buddy was like, yeah, but it's the spring game. I said, yeah, but I saw a little more than I normally, you know, would fall for in the spring game. So I was happy with that. One, but I've been fooled too often by too many spring games of seeing some guy play lights out and then he never sees the light of day for another two or three years, if that.
0: Well, that will wrap it up from us here at Division Two Hondo. We'd like to thank you for your outstanding insight. Um, this This guy's experience and reputation speaks for itself like to invite all of our listeners to uh, be listening to the Georgia Bulldog uh, Radio Network this fall for Hondo. And uh, again, Hondo, couldn't thank you more for, uh, for, the, for your interview.
1: Hey, Ford, Chris, Blake, thank you so much. We will have a network broadcast of the G-Day games. So in your local town, wherever you're listening or on the internet, you'll be able to catch that. Uh, we start at two o'clock on April 17th and then we kick off from Charlotte on September fourth, and look forward to uh, talking to you then with our whole crew. That's Lawrence Smith, Eric Zier, Scott Howard, Chuck Dowdle, Jeff Dantzler, Kevin Butler, uh, Tony Shavani, and yours truly. Thank you, man.
3: Thank you for listening to Division Two Sports. For all Division Two Sports news, follow us on social media at Division underscore Two Sports.